All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A tremendous Thursday afternoon. How are you? Welcome to the Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440. Coming to you live on Oilers Nation YouTube. And it is game day again, baby. The Oilers take it on the Philadelphia Flyers. Tonight, uh, puck drop it around eh, almost four hours for now. So we got a lot of time. It's like an extended pregame show for you, but uh, we'll be talking a little uh, NFL on the show today. Uh, lots of hockey talk, uh, mixing maybe just some uh, MLB playoffs. We got two games going on today. Uh, some players on waivers that order fans are interested in. I'm not sure the orders will put a claim in, but we'll get into that. Uh, as always, the Gregor Show is presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Alberta's only regulated online gambling website where 100% of the revenue stays right here in the province. Uh, it's Play Alberta. They support Alberta. PlayAlberta.ca. You can always get involved in the show. You can text us 833-401-1440 is the text line. We've got numbers coming in all, already. Uh, you can always uh, send your comments as well to the Orders Nation YouTube chat. We'll get to uh, to all of that. And let you know uh, what's happening there. Um, we'll uh, start to uh, ensure that we get the show on time. We don't want to be like the NHL. We say at 2 o'clock, we'll be at 2 o'clock. So uh, we're going to be uh, looking at that now. We'll be fines if we're not starting at 2 o'clock. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, on the show today, uh, Ladislav Schmid will be by. Uh, Terry Ryan, of course, our uh, Thursday co-host from 3 until 5. We'll hear from uh, former NFLer Sean Merriman. Connor Halley, will uh, will I be able to get a question in as a former Charger is on the show today? Uh, Speck will be by. Uh, also, we'll hear from uh, Bronte, uh, Amy Trask. Oof, geez, we could get we could have a whole segment on Al Davis stories. That would be uh, that would be interesting because the uh, the Raiders, well, they've moved around and now obviously uh, you know it's uh, it's a different time. Now it's maybe their best receivers on the move. Uh, we'll find out uh, about all that. Uh, Livingston will be by. A little bit uh, later on. So uh, it's good. Uh, Mark, hey, boys, I just finished work for the day just in time for the show. Should be able to listen to it on my five-hour drive home. Well, uh, Mike, drive safe. 
Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Five-hour drive. Oof. Must be uh, one of those uh, week-in, week-outs, maybe. Getting home. Hopefully, it's not a five-hour drive all the time. That uh, would not be ideal. Not be ideal at all. Uh, NHL, the orders, of course, in Philadelphia tonight to take on the Flyers. Carter Hart is off to a pretty good start. 922 save percentage. The uh, Flyers are 2-1. and one. Fresh off a 2 nothing shutout. Carter Hart has had one shutout in each of the last three seasons. He had a shutout, or sorry, a home shutout, one in the last three seasons. He had a home shutout in his first home start. So he'll be uh, feeling good about himself. And the Edmonton Orders, meanwhile, hey, they've been really good on the road. Last year, the Orders had the fourth most road victories in the National Hockey League. They were 27, 11, and 3. Not bad at all. And of course, uh, they started out uh, one and one this year. The uh, the Vancouver game, which was an oddity in in a sense. But what's interesting is when you start to dig into the Orders' road record, they have. There's a few things that really pop out. Number one, it's not the first period. Like if you want to watch an Order game tonight, and I can tell you after the first period, if the Orders are doing well, it's pretty much game over because uh, the Orders. In games that they have led or been tied after the first period, they're 24 and 0. 24 and 0 when they lead or are tied after the first period. Now, if they're trailing, because they haven't really gotten in their losses, they didn't get crushed in the first period. They may not score 10 to 6. Not terrible, but it's funny. They get into the second and third period of those games if they're trailing a bit. Well, then they just get waxed. They've been outscored 32-16 in the second period and 23-9 in the third. Like, when they lose on the road, they lose big. They have allowed five-plus goals in 11 of those losses. <laughs> so, I guess if they're going to lose, they're going to lose big. That is their uh, that is their goal. So, obviously, we saw that in Vancouver. It's not a goal, of course, I'm being facetious, but that's kind of been the plan. So, if you watch tonight... Maybe after one period, orders are winning, just saying, 24-0. When tied or leading after 20 minutes of play. It is a, a busy night around the NHL. Calgary's in Buffalo, Toronto's in Florida, Nashville's in New York, Vancouver's in Tampa Bay. You have uh, the Kings are in Minnesota, uh, Arizona's in St. Louis. We also have Winnipeg hosting Vegas, Anaheim hosts the Stars, Seattle trying to get their first victory of the season. They host uh, Carolina. You have Chicago in Colorado. Man, the Blackhawks, what a tough start to their season. All road games and some pretty good teams. And then the uh, late game, Boston in San Jose to take on the Sharks. The uh, Sharks, one of two teams without without a win yet. Them and Seattle, the only two teams without a win. And there's only four teams who haven't lost. It's it's pretty close. Like usually you might have five or six things. Like we're only talking two, three, or four games. Right? Like the Islanders in Boston are two and oh, and they're two of the teams. Vegas is the one team, they're four and oh. They're actually looking to tie the Edmonton Oilers for the record for best start to a season for a defending Stanley Cup champion. So there you go. Some other uh, numbers, as you know, we like the numbers on the show. Uh Leon Dreisidel could tie Mark Messier tonight. With a goal in the first four games of the season. That's the second longest streak in owner's franchise history. Wayne Gretzky, eight, owns the record. But 
some of you know, or maybe you don't, that the Leon Dreisaitl last game out, he set a new Oilers standard for power play goals. 128, that's most in the franchise. Did some number crunching, and out of his 128 power play goals, Connor McDavid has assisted on 96 of them. 59 first assists, 37 second assists. Ryan Nugent Hopkins has 50 assists. Tyson Berry, 19. Nurse, 12. Chase on, 11. Hyman, 10. Bouchard, 9. Lucic and Clefbaum, 7. Uh, I only counted the guys who had at least uh, five assists uh, overall. Um, No surprise that McDavid's the main guy. He has been in on 75% of Drysaddle's 128 power play goals. 96 out of 128. It's a pretty good duo. There's no question about it. And the order's power play is best when it's dry saddle shooting. Since the start of the 2019-20 season, the Edmonton order's power play is 29.2%, which is ridiculously good. They scored 262 goals. Dry saddle has scored 34% of them. Now, I had some people yesterday saying, well, how could dry saddle have so many more goals than all the other orders? Well, if you actually go back to the 80s when the Orders power play for the nine years that Gretzky was here, the Orders power play was 24.2%. Pretty solid. 24.2%. Now, they had way more power play opportunities back then. I want to point that out. And Gretzky had 125 goals in those nine years. Gretzky played actually more games than Dreisaitl. Also had way more power play opportunities and Dreisaitl still outscored him. But the difference was... Gretzky had 125 goals in, those, in that time. Anderson had 94. Curry had 87. Coffee had 69. And Mark Messier had 67. If you look at, uh, at the orders, right, Drysaddle has 90. The next highest is McDavid with 52. So the orders power play unit wasn't necessarily focused as much on two guys. Like Drysaddle and McDavid are elite. The Oilers power play in the 80s, if you're wondering why Drysaddle was able to outscore them, well, he's more of the pure finisher. They passed it around. They used you know different guys at different times. Paul Coffey had 69 goals, for goodness sakes, on the power play. So a little different structure, a little different time. But uh, if you're wondering why, that's how it is. Like, I give Drysaddle credit. And here's the thing about Leon Drysaddle. So currently, Leon Drysaddle's 128 power play goals has him tied with Arizona for the 21st most of any of the 32 franchises. Alex Ovechkin and Washington, he's their power play goal leader, 299. His next one's going to be 300. Crazy. Then Lemieux at 236 for Pittsburgh. Luke Robitaille had 210 for the Kings. Gordie Howe, 209 for Detroit. And uh, Joe Sackick, 205 for Colorado. Now you look at Leon Dreisaitl. He's got the rest of this season. At the rate he's going, is he going to score another 20 power play goals this year? Most likely. So add another 20 to his total. That would put him at uh, 148, which would then move him into um, 18th place. Uh, or sorry, 17th uh, overall uh, amongst the, you know, he'd pass Philadelphia's Tim Kerr, Daniel Sinin in Vancouver, Ron Francis for Carolina, Daniel Alfredson for Ottawa. And let's say next year he scores 20 again. Well, then now... He'll be 11th. I really, I believe, because I think at minimum, Drysaddle's going to sign a four-year extension. 
That's what I see as the minimum. I could see him doing what Austin Matthews did and signing a four-year extension when his contract is up. So next summer, try subtle signs for four years, which means he has the next. He has this year, next year, and then four more. So six more years. Let's just say he averages twenty power play goals a year for the next six seasons, which is what he's done in the previous five. So it's not outrageous to think that that's what he can do. If he does that, that's another one hundred and twenty. That would put him at 248. That would put him second all time for most power play goals for one organization. That's how good he's on pace for right now and what I think is going to happen when he signs an extension. The reason I say four years is because I think some players are recognized, and I've been talking about this for three years, that the elite stars in the NHL, and if they start signing four- and five-year deals, guess what? What helps the NHL is then the mid-tier players, which is where lots of the contract issues happen as free agents after the age of 28, when they only get four- and five-year deals, now you don't have as much dead cap space. You don't have as many buyout issues. It becomes better. Some of the players might not like it, but honestly, I think that's where it's going to start going. If you start seeing more players saying, you know what? I'm going four or five-year deals. The top-end guys, it'll funnel down to the rest. And it just eliminates the long contracts that become a little bit of an albatross. Right? It's not good. Not good at all. Hey, Gregor, doesn't Dreisaitl have the first goal in each of the three games for Manny D? Well, not technically. He has the first Euler goal, but that's, you know, scoring the first Euler goal, that's not really something that's tracked. There's first goal of the game... And he has that twice. Right? Yes, he has scored the Oilers' first goal, but it was the fifth goal of the game, right? It was 4 nothing, and then they came 4-1. to one. So that's uh, a little bit different if you want to go. It's kind of an obscure thing. But, you know, like if you go to, you know, some of the stat sites, there is a stat for first goal of the game, but it's not your team's first goal. It's the actual first goal of the game because there's a lot of significance for the teams who score first. They win more. It's just how it goes. So, Texas 833-401-1440. Hey, Greg, there's something else. When the orders get way up, they call off the dogs. How many shifts did Leon Connor get in the third? Just think if the orders defense struggles and the games are 6-3 and 6-1, they would keep pushing. Leon could have got even more. In the Gretzky days, they didn't, cr- they, they, they didn't stop crushing teams 10-1. Thoughts, Chris and Victoria. I'd have to go back and look how many times that happened. But I was talking power play goals specifically, Chris. That's only what we were talking about was power play goals. Um, were the Edmonton Orders running out their first unit power play in 7-1 games? I'd have to go back and look at the score sheet. Some, I'd be surprised. Was Gretzky still on the ice in 5-on-5? Five 100%. Five? And so is McDavid and Drysaddle. You got to remember, Gretzky played a lot of minutes. When they had blowouts, their fourth line played more. The fourth line players talked about it. McDavid and Drysaddle were still on the ice. Just you didn't. They just ran four lines. Right? And remember, Drysaddle got in that late power play. It wasn't with McDavid, but Drysaddle was looking for the hat trick, so he was out there, which is fine. But I'd have to go back and look. I don't recall the orders putting out their number one power play unit in six-one game. I could be wrong, but that we were talking about power play. I don't think that would be the case. So, hey, Gregor Connor and Leon's version of the Edmonton orders are the only team in history that's criticized and viewed as negative for having a good power play. Every other fan base would love to have a good one. And guarantee the other franchises not get the flack that the orders are getting for having or being good in the power play from Drew. Hey, Drew, 
I would agree with you, and that's why it's laughable. I've said it. I've yelled at it from the mountaintops. Any analyst who's like, eh, the power play doesn't matter, no offense, clueless. Go look at Tampa Bay's power play percentage when they won their Stanley Cup. In the playoffs. Right? They had the best power play in the playoffs. Of course it matters. It's ridiculous not to. And now, if you don't score five on five, but here's the thing. The Oilers scored 24 five on five goals in the playoffs last year. I'll repeat this until people understand it. Scoring goals isn't the Oilers' problem. Lack of five on five offense isn't the reason the Oilers lost in the postseason last year. Limiting goals, limiting goals. Say it with me loud. Limiting goals. That's what cost them. Not goal scoring, limiting goals. They do that more consistently? No problem. Hey, guys, is Connor Brown not going to fit from Pickle? Pickle, are you serious right now? It's three games, Pickle. Sit down. Cut your pickle in half. Get some cheese. Maybe get some Wilhawk beef jerky with it, some sausage, and enjoy it. It's three games. How many goals did Connor McDavid score in his first three NHL games? And he was one of the most highly touted players ever. Uh, zero. I'm not worried about Connor Brown. I said, after 20 games, 15 maybe, we can look to see where Connor Brown's at. But uh, it's far too premature to be uh, worrying about uh, whether or not he fits in or not. I haven't had a, he hasn't stood out negatively. He can skate. He, right now, his timing's off. Watch how many times he's just his timing is just a little bit off. And when you haven't played in a year... That's what happens. 217, uh, Amy Trask will join us next. And we got Bronte and Moore in the Gregor Show live on Sports 1440 and Orders Nation YouTube presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 222, it's game day on Sports 1440. Jason Gregor alongside uh, Connor Halley, the Gregor Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. The Oilers are in Philly to take on the Flyers. Tonight, uh, Jack Campbell will get the start. I think is the right decision. Uh, only lineup change, it looks like uh, Vincent DeHarnay, who was a healthy scratch for two games. Not for poor play, just because of numbers. Uh, he'll come in. Broberg will come out. And I do wonder, at some point, hey, if I'm looking at the forwards, Yanmark and Ryan, if they go 11-7, and seven, it's one of those two. Not Adam Ernie, who I think would be coming out. Neither one has a shot on goal so far this year. They've done a whole lot of nothing. So uh, watch for that, potentially when they get home to uh, against Winnipeg. Will we see a forward come out of the lineup? We'll find out. Uh, let's get now to the uh, NFL report brought to you by Legacy Heating and Cooling Home. The no payments, no interest for one year on your furnace. And starting Monday, help your neighbor contest where Legacy is going to give away a brand new high efficiency furnace. You're actually going to help them because you're going to nominate someone in your life who needs a furnace. Can't reside in your home. Has to be outside your home. Coworker, whoever, somebody who really needs it. That's why it's called help your neighbor. And we are joined by a former uh, Raiders CEO. She's an author and uh, analyst on uh, CBS. Uh, Amy Trask uh, joins us once again. Amy, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing well. And just because I do have that inner seven-year-old still inside of me, I want you to know that when you said it was 222, my immediate reaction was, 
Uh-uh. It's 1.22 here just because I like to stand up for California time. But I do recognize it's now 2.23 where you are. Yes. Well, I, you know what? My audience is in mountain time, so it would confuse them if I told them what Pacific time was. And I, of course, yes. understand that. But, you know, <laughs> almost 30 years in the NFL and every single thing we got was always on New York time. So uh, I, I always responded in California time, just really to be a brat. Hey, you know what? Uh, trust me, uh, they see it here all the time because originally when the, when the new NHL website came out this year, every time was in Eastern Standard. All the times, all the games said Eastern time. I'm like, are you joking? Because people are like, why is the order game starting at 9? I'm like, it's not. It's starting at 7, but it's Eastern time. And so then you had to go change it. It's kind of, uh, yes, it's sometimes. Yeah, you know what? We have our time zones, too. Yes, yes. The league thinks everything runs out east. Uh, I know there's <laughs> there's a lot more population in some of those places anyway. But um, the NFL is unique because, uh, you know what, they don't really have east and west as far as divisions. And, you know, yet you got uh, four teams in the west in the AFC, four teams in the west in the, in the NFC. I kind of like how they've kind of cut the country in half uh, north to south rather than east to west per se. And uh, you look at some of the divisions this year, uh, Amy, and I, I have to say I'm, I'm a little surprised, and maybe I shouldn't be because historically it's been a pretty competitive division, but a lot of people at the start thought the AFC North might not be that good, and it's the only division now that's got all the teams who are at least 500. Well, you're right. Uh, the division is absolutely up for grabs. The Ravens have a one-game lead. Uh, Steelers and Browns right behind them, as are the Bengals. So, um yeah, it's up for grabs. And, you know, you're talking about East and West. I always laugh at how the divisions are set up because Kansas City is, of course, in the AFC West, but Kansas City is not in the western part of the country. <laughs> no. Nope. But I digress. You're absolutely right about the AFC North. Now, of course, you work for the Raiders. So uh, they're, they're three and three. What do you make of Devontae uh, Adams and uh, what's happening there? I think he's passionate about his position. He's passionate about wanting to win. He's passionate about his role. He's passionate about the team. And I don't take issue when a player expresses passion. I think it's um, very intellectually dishonest for fans and, and others to want players to play with passion, play with energy, play with enthusiasm, but then when they step off the field, not to have that same passion and energy and enthusiasm. So, you know, I don't take issue when a player expresses his passion, his fervor for the game. I don't think Devontae said anything um, offensive or bothersome. Look, if a player says something, taking on another player, which he didn't do, that's a, that's a different story. But I just don't think it's right to expect a player to play with just extraordinary passion and then yet button up that passion when he's off the field. Yeah, it's a very good point, Amy. What do you think the Raiders do? do like, it seems odd that he's not involved. He's a pretty good player. So is this, is this somebody that now, like, the, you know, the Bills or other teams are you, – Having beaten that on the management side of things, do you think this is going to lead to a trade? Well, you know, I don't know what they're going to do, obviously. I sure wouldn't trade him um, unless I was getting, like, umpteen Christmas stockings worth of really good things in exchange. He's an extraordinary player. And, you know, who knows what the issue is. You know, maybe he and Jimmy haven't synced up yet. Of course, Jimmy's been in and out with injuries during games. We don't know if he's playing this week. Um, I don't, you know, what's interesting about the Devante situation is they brought him in to play with one of his dearest friends who then, you know, they got rid of in, in Derek Carr. So, you know, we'll see if he can sync up with Jimmy. We'll see if Jimmy plays. I know that when you have extraordinary talent, trading it is should be the last option. 
hundred percent. But sometimes it, you know, it doesn't work out that way, which leads me to a guy because I've seen his name out there. But in a league, Amy, where there's, you know, what getting a quarterback who's efficient is hard to find. And you know, there's lots of people say, oh, the Vikings and and Kirk Cousins, you know, they should part. Like to me, the Vikings should be doing everything in their power to re-sign Kirk Cousins because I don't care. You can draft a young quarterback, draft all you want. That doesn't mean he's going to be good for two or three or ever. We've, we've seen tons of high draft picks that don't pan out because it's a really hard position. What, what would you do if you're the Vikings and are you surprised they don't have an extension? I'm not necessarily surprised. What I would do if I were the Vikings is the same thing that I say to people, and I said this during my career with the Raiders, when fans would approach me and say, you guys should trade such and such a player or you should cut such and such a player, or you should move on from this quarterback. My answer was always, and do what? If you're saying to me as a fan, as they often did, you guys should get rid of that quarterback, whoever that quarterback was, my answer was, and do what? And if your answer to that question isn't as good as the status quo or better, then what the heck are you doing? So, you know, I'm not all, all, all in on Kirk Cousins. I would not be opposed to trading him were I the Vikings if I could really, really get a lot for him. I don't know that they can. Um, But they do have to answer the question, and do what? And as you point out, it is a risk to draft a quarterback. It's a massive risk. We had Warren Moon on the show uh, a few weeks ago, and he mentioned he doesn't think there's a quarterback shortage. He thinks there's a shortage of patience in properly developing quarterbacks. And, you know, they rush in and, oh, it's a bad team. And now we're going to put everything on the young quarterback. And, geez, he can't figure it out. And when you look at some of the the, uh, offenses in college now where – you know what? They're very simple and they don't necessarily, they're getting better, but they don't, they don't necessarily do what the NFL teams are doing. I, I think it's unrealistic to expect most of these guys to have instant success. Why do you think that hasn't changed, Amy? Like, why hasn't there been more patience across the league when it comes to developing quarterbacks? Well, two things. Number one, something happened such that there is now less patience, and I'll share that in a second. But if you heard me sort of moan lovingly when you were mentioning (laughs) Warren, it's because as you were saying what Warren was saying, my immediate thought was Warren is a very, very wise man. So I was getting kind of excited, and I didn't want my little moan about Warren to be misinterpreted. I just, I think the world of him, and I think he's a smart, wise, wise man, and I love what you were repeating that he said. The problem is, the new collective bargaining agreement, and by new, I mean the one that was put in back when I was in the league right after the lockout. So there was a lockout. There was a new collective bargaining put in place. I'm referring to that change. And then, of course, there have been several iterations since then. But if you remember, and I'm sure you do, but a lot of people listening may not even been born when I'm about to reference what I am. It used to be in the olden days, kids, that you could let quarterbacks sit. You know, Aaron Rodgers sat for a while while Brett Favre played. You could let quarterbacks sit. That changed under the current collective bargaining agreement because of rules having to do with free agency and tenders and length of contract. So, you know, Warren's question is phenomenal. And ideally, teams would let quarterbacks sit. But that's not the way the collective bargaining agreement is geared right now. Do you see it changes? We're joined by uh, Amy Trask, of course, uh, former CEO of the Raiders. She, of course, an uh, analyst on uh, CBS Sports. Do you think there's an appetite to have it change? Well, certainly among teams there would be, but not among players or player agents. And I understand that. They want free agency to occur 
sooner than it used to. And I absolutely understand why that's the case. Of course we understand why that's the case. But if you're the Players Association or you're a player, you're not going to want to agree to give a team more time so that it can fit you. You want to get to free agency where the team has to essentially decide, am I going to tag them? Am I going to keep them? What am I going to do? Or make a decision at that point. So, no, I don't. Look, if I'm the Players Association, if I'm representing the players in any sort of bargaining situation, you're going to have to make some pretty interesting adjustments to other parts of that agreement in order to get me to go along with something like that. Yeah, like I look at it, um, and to me, I think one of the bigger issues is, and, you know, the amount of money that rookies get paid in the NFL and they've never proven anything. Like, I'm sorry, maybe I'm a little old school in that. Um, and you see the signings for for young quarterback. Now it's better. Like you can still get them on a decent one. And then they're like, well, you only have three years or four years. And then all of a sudden you got to give them this huge raise. Well, you'd only have to give them the huge raise if they were producing. And so like, to me, there seems like there could be some sort of middle ground where I'm not saying you even have to change the age of free agency or the year served uh, for it to work. Because it, it, even if you say, you know, a team has six years, let's say, Amy, because so let's say, you know, or five years, right? Keep keep the guy five years. If you if you have him as a backup like Aaron Rodgers, now Aaron Rodgers is kind of extreme because he was three years, but even if it's two as a backup, then the guy would still have three years to show you if he's a good quarterback or not. Yeah, but that, that cow's out of the barn or whatever that expression is. You're asking <laughs> the players to go back in time and yield a tremendous, tremendous value um, which is free agency. So that was one of the adjustments in the current agreement, that the years to free agency are shorter, and I just don't see that reverting back. Yeah, no. I agree that uh, it's it's one where it's, you know, it's the chicken and the egg, but we have seen it because you mentioned Aaron Rodgers. Um, even, even Green Bay, right? Like they had Jordan Love sit behind Aaron Rodgers for a few years. So you could do it. But obviously you have to have a pretty good quarterback, and I think you likely have to have a GM and maybe even an owner with a lot of patience to say, okay, you know what, we'll just sit back here and we'll see how it goes, and and most of them don't want to do it. Well, and certainly no coincidence that it happened in a team which does not have a single primary controlling owner, but which is publicly (laughs) owned. Uh, There's only one of those, and they have historically shown more patience than have other teams. Now that's fascinating when you think about it, right? And uh, you worked for Al Davis, who... He was a fantastic owner, and Al was one that, uh, you know, I'm sure you could sit here and regale us with stories for years about Al. But um, were there times, Amy, when you had to, like, how often would you say you had to calm down the owner? Because you know what? You talked about passion earlier, and I, very few owners, I think, aren't passionate about their team, right? And passion can be good or bad, depending on how it's construed. But how many times did you, did, like, did you have a 24-hour rule where I had to say, okay, you know what? Let's think on this for 24 hours, and then we'll talk about it. Okay, so you understand I didn't really put rules in for Al. I tried. Didn't always work. You know, I'm doing a new podcast with Susie Schuster. It's called What the Football. And we just talked the other day about something that's relevant to your question. You asked how many times I had to calm Al down. There were a lot of times Al had to calm me down, and we went through those the other day. So there was mutual calming down to be done at times. And Look, there is a passion to the game, and if you don't have the passion for the game, um, it may be the wrong industry for you. But, yeah, we talked on the podcast the other day about times where Al was telling me, calm down, young lady, or, you know, take, I, I was behaving poorly at league owners' meetings, and I was the one who needed calming down. Um, but, look, there's a tremendous, tremendous passion for the game, and if you don't have that passion, then what the heck are you doing in the game? 
The uh, announcement came down today. I think it was Mike Florio that had it. That Tom Brady had purchased a ten percent of the Raiders. And at you know, and a lot of teams were evaluated at six billion. But his ten percent purchase price, if the report is true, of one hundred seventy-five million, means he was getting ten percent on an evaluation of you know, only one point seven five billion, which seems rather low. Is it just is that the the benefit he has of being Tom Brady that they think if he's one of our minority owners that he'll get it a way better rate? What do you make of that that uh, that story that came out? Well, the, per- the purchase hasn't gone through, and okay. I, I don't know whether you said at the beginning that he has purchased. I didn't hear that exactly, but the answer is no, he has not purchased it. They would like to effectuate a purchase. One has been discussed and arranged to some extent, but it has not been approved and the purchase has not gone through. And to clear this up for any Patriots fans who are listening, I have absolutely no issue whatsoever with Tom buying a piece of the Raiders. I have absolutely no issue whatsoever with Tom. Tom Brady did in that game what every fan of every team would want his or her quarterback to do. So I just get that out of the way first before anyone thinks I hold any ill will towards Tom. I do not. Now, that said, the valuation is a big issue, and we don't have time to get into that now because that's a very, very intricate discussion. The fact is minority interests always carry with them a minority discount. Now, that discount that's being discussed is extraordinary, and that's the issue right there. But if you're buying a minority interest in a team that carries with it no control and offers no path to control, you are not going to pay the same value as if you are buying a controlling interest or have a path to control. That said, the amount that there's being discussed is an extraordinary, extraordinary discount, and that's the hang-up. Yeah. That's a very good point on, uh, you know, you buy in 10%, you don't really have much say. So what's the uh, benefit? I mean, no, you have no say. Yeah. Let me clarify that. You ain't got no say, in, and that's very technical. I learned that in law school. You ain't got no say um, <laughs> unless someone wants to bestow upon yes. you say that you really don't have a legal right to. Yeah, right. No, that's totally fair. Um, you look at the teams. Uh, last week was fantastic if you love upsets in the NFL because uh, there was two and there probably should have been three. If the Giants knew how to manage a clock, they would have won that game. Um, I look at these teams. No one's going to go undefeated. There's only one Dolphins team, right? No one ever goes the whole year undefeated. So I don't put too much stock into kind of one odd week like that. But uh, is there any concerns for you, Eagles, uh, 49ers? Are they still in the top class alongside the Chiefs, Dolphins, and Bills? Um, look, you know, one loss is not going to make the difference necessarily in a season, um, these teams can recover from it. It can make a, a difference in terms of standing and in terms of where you are um, when it comes down to scheduling for the playoffs. So, you know, I mean, a win can be a bad thing, but as to the, well, not can be, a win, a loss is a bad thing. Um, a win by a team that you needed to beat can be an even worse thing. And if it comes down to some of these teams playing one another, um, that's going to have that's going to impact their standing for the playoffs. So, do I dismiss a loss as oh, it's nothing, nothing, nothing? No, I don't dismiss it. But do I think it's the end of the world? No, I don't. Amy, great to catch up with you again. Uh, good luck on the uh, on the podcast. I saw you uh, you figured out how to post it. So you know what? Small steps. So, <laughs> so that's good. Hey, wh- what was that movie? Baby steps. Get yes. on the bus. Yeah, exactly. Well, you're on the bus. Hopefully, it's a big one. Well, thank you very much. That is uh, Amy Trask, former CEO of the uh, Raiders, an uh, analyst on uh, CBS Sports, and always got really good insight when it comes to the the legalities, legalities of the NFL and the uh, uh, CBA and everything else. So um, while everyone uh, 
talks about it. I'm not sure there is a, a real easy or clear answer on how you can develop quarterbacks better in the National Football League. Uh, when we come back, right decision to start Jack Campbell? I think so. Vincent DeHarnay is in. Philip Broberg is out. And a rare city where Leon Dreisaitl hasn't had a lot of success. I think it might change. That'll come up next on The Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca Live on Sports 1440 and Orders Nation YouTube. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Sports 1440, the Oilers in Philly. A brief two-game road trip. I'm trying to think the last time I saw a two-game road trip that I'm going to Nashville, then to Philly, and then boom, home. So kind of an odd one. But uh, they started very well with a 6-1 win in Nashville, and then they are hoping to end it tonight and come home 500. The orders did start last season, 2-1, and one, if you recall. Then they went to 2-2, two and two, then 2-3, two and three, then they won five straight. And they went 7-3, uh, and, and then they went 3-7 uh, and t- seven in their next 10. So you really know from, uh, from stretch to stretch. The orders were obviously... What, what is, I think, a little misguided is people who claim that the orders have started slowly. They really haven't... They've had one slow start the last few years, if you want to look at under 500. For the first five games, they started out, and uh, that was last year when they were two and three. Right? One year they were five and zero oh in their uh, in their first five, three and two. Actually, they were five and zero oh twice in the last four years. In two thousand twenty, they were twelve six and two out twenty games, thirteen six and one in twenty one, five or fifteen and five. In 22, and then 10 and 10 last year. So last year was the only time in the last four years where the Oilers, if you want to go in the first quarter, where they had a, quote, slow start. So uh, obviously losing their first two wasn't great, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Oilers uh, go on a little bit of a winning streak here. And uh, Philadelphia's a team they should beat. Let's just call a spade a spade here. I know Carter Hart's off to a good start, but you should be able to beat the Philadelphia Flyers. Let's get to the uh, oil report now brought to you by Volvo Cars Edmonton, where right now you can save up to $5,000 on all remaining 2023 models. It's a steal of a deal. Check it out now, bubblecarsedmonton.com. As uh, Robin Brownlee, a.k.a. Ruben Bronte, joins us uh, on Sports 1440 Live on Orders Nation YouTube. And when I look at, uh, you know, the Jack Campbell decision, Robin, like, I think this was real easy. Some people thought yesterday, ah, you know, and, you know, sure you could just start at Stuart Skinner. I, I think Philly's a team where ultimately it shouldn't matter who your goalie is because uh, you should be able to beat them if you play well. But uh, Jack Campbell, I think, is, is deserving of the start. And I'm going to be curious if he plays excellent again tonight, what happens on Saturday. Yeah, I, I feel the same way uh, you do, Jason. Uh, I know you mentioned it in one of the items you wrote, as as did I. I was looking back, um, you know, I, some people raised the possibility, oh, did he set out a, you know, did Jay Woodcroft set out a plan and tell the team and the guys, well, we're going to go one, 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 one. And even if he did, 
the coach has a right to say, well, guess what? I'm going to change what I'm going to do here. But um, I was trying to think back. Has Jack Campbell, when has Jack Campbell played a better game than that last time out? Uh, you can argue you can go back to the playoffs when he had some short stretches there where he was, was really good. But the point being, Jack Campbell was really good the other night. And at this point, go with him, let him win another game, and see how it goes tonight. You know what? If it goes that well again tonight, you've got – there's no reason you can't start him on the weekend. So uh, we're beyond the point of – I think they should be, be – of participation. Uh, it's nice to have two guys, but they're both getting paid uh, to show up uh, – Play the play the best guy, and if if Campbell comes up with another game like he did the other night, and that's very possible because, like you said, Philly's a very beatable team. Um, take it from there and go go with the guy who's winning games for you and stopping pucks. Well, uh, I'll say this: um, they don't, um, they shouldn't be giving up forty three shots against Philly tonight. So uh, that would be one that I would look no. to say, hey, you got to be uh, you got to be better. Um, you know what, Campbell actually, I, I thought it was in, um, you know, his, at the end of the season, like Campbell came into the playoffs last year playing quite well. Um, so I know if you yep. look at like some of the recent play of him is if we go back just in actual NHL starts, cause the Vancouver game, I, I, I've said many times, I don't think he played terrible. Um, you know, didn't have a, no. a lot of help in front of him, but Jack Campbell, I know it's a small sample size, but you know, he's looked a lot more like an NHL goaltender here, uh, late last season into the playoffs and to start this year. Yeah, and that goes beyond. I mean, what matters more than anything else, obviously, is what he does uh, on the ice. But he sounds different. He looks different in the way he carries himself. Um, you know, I'm I'm looking in through uh, you know television interviews and seeing him talk. He he just sounds like a different guy. And we've been through the guy who would let stuff eat at him and gee, I should have been better and I wasn't good enough. And one goal turns into two and sometimes one bad game turns into two. You, you, you flush that, you put it in the rear view mirror. You say you're going to do that. It looks to me at this point, like he's managed to do that. That was a tough start that he had after a really good preseason to come in, he wasn't terrible, no, but he's, the puck still ended up in the back of the net. And the bottom line is, when you're the goaltender reaching beyond the goal line with your stick and fishing it out, it doesn't feel very good, whether it's your fault or not. But, yeah, he just sounds more sure of himself. And what I'm seeing with what the players, his teammates are saying about him, they see it too. And that's what matters because those guys know the guys standing in that blue paint better than anybody outside the room. Yeah, you have confidence in your teammates. I think you know when they're playing well and, you know, he's calm. Uh, I do think he worked a lot on not beating himself up, not having to, you know, jump on the sword every time, you know, the orders lost a game. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it, you know, every now and then there might be one that you, you want back fine, but you don't have to, you know, focus only on that one all the time. And so we'll see. Now the orders obviously would want to give up a uh, fewer shots. I think specifically the one area where the orders have struggled yeah. mightily this year is uh, giving up shots from the slot. And it's, and it's twofold. It's not because they're allowing teams to uh, to get guys wide open, it's off of the rush. They've allowed a lot of rush chances where they're giving it because right now the orders coming to this game, and I know it's early, 
But uh, slot shots, they've allowed 17.3 per game, which is 30th in the NHL. And But they're 16th in allowing slot passes. So it's because they're allowing guys off the rush just to penetrate into the zone. That's something that they got to improve on. Well, we've seen a couple cases where guys were either a step behind when you talk about uh, off the rush stuff, and not all of it goes through the slot, but like you say, a lot of it has. I think just uh, back to the play where Matthias Ekholm, who was super solid, uh, was late getting to the uh, forward, uh, reached in but didn't get enough of the stick or the hands or the puck uh, on that Lafferty goal. Um that's all it takes is a split second. I mean, those guys with the puck are NHL players too. And if you give them a heartbeat to get the shot away or a second to, to, to pick a spot, they're, they're going to pick it more times than not. So, you know, I haven't minded them uh, in their own end uh, on any cycles. But like you say, they're coming down. If they're getting caught a step behind or uh, the gap isn't right, guys are finishing on them and, and you can't have that. Um I haven't noticed a ton of stuff going into the slot, but I haven't looked that up. If it's that high, then that's 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 not good enough. Obviously, Deharnay in Broberg out. I think this is not a, it's not a case of Broberg playing poorly. It's a case that they want to get Dar- Deharnay in. But I will say this: I, I know that ideally, I think they'd like to go twelve and six, despite what some people think. I'd like to. Mm-hmm. I think they'd like to go twelve and six, but. I don't think it's always just going to have to be DeHarnay or Broberg. I think there's a real chance here that you could look at, um, you know, Janmark or Ryan. Neither one of those guys even have a shot on goal. They haven't done a whole bunch through three games. Yeah, and the thing with Broberg is, if I'm not mistaken, Jason, he's not in, he's not, you know, he's in into double digits in ice time, which isn't it? A ton when you're a defenseman, but he's he's getting in some minutes. It's not like he's sitting there and playing nine minutes a game, uh, you know, has been the case in the past. You also don't want DeHarnay sitting there uh, collecting rust in the box. I don't know that Philly's a particularly heavy, uh, aggressive team that you need uh, the size and the and the uh, nasty edge uh, in Broberg's place. But DeHarnay doesn't do him him any good to sit around and not. And not play either. Um, I don't know how he matches up uh, with, with the Philadelphia forwards, but you know what you're going to get out of him. And there's nothing wrong with Broberg having a game to sit in the press box and take a look. And you know what? The the coaching staff is smart enough to say, hey, everything's good so far, kid. Uh, just, uh, you know, we're getting Vincent in, take a look, and, uh, you know, we'll go from here. He's a smart kid. I don't think this is a case of there's going to be a problem because they say, hey, uh, we want you to watch tonight. If DeHarnay can do it, Broberg can do it in the short term. Sure, but I, I still don't think it's ideal, right? And I also think it wouldn't be Adam Ernie as the forward coming out for me. It would be Yanmark and Ryan based solely on how you're playing right now. Well, and that's fair. I'm I'm probably stretching it here to make a point, but off off, uh, off what you're saying, not going to happen. Not the same. But I I still I'm not seeing very much out of Evander Kane either. If you're talking about guys who aren't getting stuff done, you're not. I'm we're not taking it. Where he's not in Yanmark territory, but I haven't seen a lot out of him. I, the, the two guys that you're talking about. Yeah, bottom six guys, you still want something from them. I thought Janmark, Janmark's another guy who, who looked a little bit better in 
in uh, the preseason than he has of late. But I don't know what you do there. I but what I'm looking at though is I want to see a little bit more out of Evander Kane. Now I know Speck just wrote something about uh, overview of Kane and how he's fitting in with the team, and and that's all good and that's all solid. I mean he's going to get it figured out because he's a good player. But right now I think he's got uh, what has he got one one assist and and uh, you know he I haven't looked up many times during the game and 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 thought of Evander Kane's had a heck of a shift or a heck of a game. You? Yeah, he he hasn't been overly involved yet in the season. I think that's fair. I don't think he's played poorly, but uh, I, I haven't noticed him a ton yet. So uh, I, you know, he's capable yeah. of more. I think uh, I think that's a fair statement. Uh, no question uh, about it. So, um, what do you make of the Flyers? Um, like this is a game the order should win. Now it doesn't mean they always do, but Edmonton proved last year they beat yeah. they beat the teams they should win more often than not. Um, you know that that's something that I know some order fans still cling to. But the order's record actually against teams that aren't very good has been pretty good here lately. Um, I think the orders uh, the way they play on the road. Uh, they've you know they got the fourth most points in the NHL now, dating back to the start of last season on the road. They're a good road team. And especially yeah. if they can get out first, if they score first or they win the first period, it's pretty much over based on how, what they've done recently on the road. Yeah, I I, I read those uh, stats you looked up. Uh, interesting. I wasn't aware of that. You know, the thing for me is uh, the one guy that's standing there that makes me a little bit nervous is is uh, Carter Hart. He can be very hot and he can, you know, in a, in a tight game, if you don't get to him early, it's trouble. Uh, it's trouble often if you don't get to any goaltender early, but he's a guy I look at, and if you can put a puck or two by him early on, um, they should win that game. I see this as a really good matchup for them. them. We've been talking about the one thing, one of the things with the Oilers that's just not good enough and how their PK is brutal, and I know the numbers are out of whack this early in the season, but that brutal Oilers PK at 58.3% is facing a Flyers power play that's 7.7%. So that might be a, a elixir the, to cure what ails the Oilers PK. If they can tighten that up a little bit, they should win this game hands down. Rubes, have a good one. Have a good weekend. You too, Jason. Talk to you soon. It's Robin Brownlee from Oilers. Nation, uh, yeah, the uh, Flyers currently sit 26th with a power play percentage of uh, 7.8. Chicago's 5.6. And then there's five teams who don't have a power play goal yet this season. Now, granted, Dallas, Anaheim, and St. Louis have only played two games. But the surprising one to me is Washington and Buffalo. They are uh, zeros on the board on the power play. Like Ovechkin just did something that he's never done in his entire career. And that's go back-to-back games without a shot on goal. Crazy. But uh, you look at it. uh, Washington and Buffalo are both 0 for 8 on the power play. Which, you know what? Hey, you might go 0 for 8 at some point in the year. Well, maybe not the orders, but uh, a lot of others for sure. Uh, Let's get to the con man. Sports 1440 update brought to you by B.I.E. Engineering, specializing in all your residential, commercial, and industrial structural engineering needs. Go to B-I-E-E-N-G.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.